Hi and welcome back to the Turning 30 podcast, a place where we talk about what it's really like to turn 30. I'm your host, life coach Emma Wilson, and I'm here to help you feel better, get unstuck and be more confident at 30. Welcome to today's guest episode with a very special client guest and I always say that my favorite episodes that I get to record are when I have my clients on to share their stories and I love this client's story so much and I know that you will too. My client Liv and I first met in our initial consultation call back in January 2021 and we actually just had our last coaching session earlier this week. So we have been working together for a very long time and I just really think that it's such a testament to how great coaching is and it's really hard to explain it to people who have never done it before or maybe who have never done any sort of supportive you know therapy counseling or anything like this or have never done life coaching before or maybe those of you who have but have never found the right coach for you and I find it difficult sometimes to tell you how incredible it is to find someone where you just have that click and it just feels like once you get started you don't want to stop and Liv is such a perfect example of that she came to me really apprehensive about hiring me she really wasn't sure she wasn't certain that it was the right next step and she also had had some bad experiences before when she had tried therapy but We had a really, really strong connection right from the start and she renewed her contract. I actually don't even want to say a figure because it was so many times and even though our time for now has come to an end, I thought it was amazing to bring her onto the podcast to share her story because it's such a great example of your career taking complete different changes in direction taking a different path that you didn't expect that you didn't plan for and actually in the episode we dive into so many topics that I coach my one-on-one business clients on and actually it's a really good time to introduce the fact that these topics are going to be included in a brand new group course that I'm currently working on and I'm releasing this autumn. It's a six-week live journey to learn all the foundations that you need to successfully run your own business. Now this is for you if you're thinking about becoming self-employed or you already are self-employed, a small business owner, a freelancer, a coach, a consultant, somebody in the wellness industry, basically anybody who has their own business and is yourself supporting yourself to get new clients and you really want to take that to the next level so you want to know how you can work more productively how to manage your time better how to get more new clients and basically how to be more successful so that you can make more money but also really enjoy the business itself and I'd say that's really my zone of genius that I work on and that I have created in my career is to build a business and a career that feels really right to you. It feels like freedom, it feels like joy. And the topics that we will cover on the course are going to include so many different things, but I'll give you just a little sneak peek. We're going to be doing a lot of work on all the mindset sides of things. That's really going to be talking about how to shift from an employee mindset to a CEO mindset. When I'm talking CEO, all of us can be CEOs of our lives, whether we're 
running our own businesses or not but it's really just shifting from that I have a boss and I'm being told what to do the passive mindset to really proactively running your own thing I'm also going to be covering confidence so that's going to include confidence how to market yourself how to show up online on social media how to deal with imposter syndrome and many other things in relation to marketing and also sales so how to sell from self-worth how to have prices that reflect how you can help people and also boundaries so as you'll hear in this podcast that's something that Liv and I worked on uh, for many of our sessions and it's such an important skill that will help you to navigate the world of being self-employed spots are going to be limited and doors are going to be opening in the next couple of weeks depending on when you're listening to this but they'll be opening in September and I'm still finalizing all the details of the course but if you want to be the first to find out about it and to have a special discount then there's a link in the podcast notes and also head to my Instagram at turning30coach where you can sign up for the wait list and if you already want to get started and you want one-on-one support I open up a few premium one-on-one spots every month so definitely message me directly on Instagram and we can have a chat about the business mentorship. So without further ado let me introduce Liv. Liv is an event expert and project leader with over 10 years of working across London's most renowned and sophisticated hotels, restaurants and clubs. Having been group event director across the Burley Clubs and Caprice Holdings, think Annabelle, Sexy Fish, Scots, The Ivy, amongst many others, for all of you Londoners who probably recognise those big names, Liv cultivated a highly revered private events team and grew her love for hospitality, events and people. Her expertise in events led to collaborations with some of the world's biggest names. And then, during the first year of the pandemic, Liv made the bold decision to leave this role and dive headfirst into running her own business, House, which she now consults for some of London's most prominent restaurants, venues and members clubs, as well as producing private events for her key clients, as well as her role as an event director creating the Oscar of Fine Wines, the Golden Vines Awards. Hey Liv, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. As everybody knows, and I say time and time again, my favorite ever podcast interviews are with clients. And I feel like you're a very special client because you're one of the clients that I've worked with for the longest running time. So I know that we're going to have such an amazing conversation and I'm really excited to dive in and we're going to be talking all about what it's really like to be self-employed, you know, leaving corporate and setting up your own thing and the good sides and the bad sides of it. But I thought what we could do to start, because obviously I want you to tell your story. I I love your story and I'm excited for the listeners to hear it. But let's flash back to when we first met, because that was in January 2021, right? If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 21. And we had our initial consult. I do remember it and I'm sure you do too. But yeah, can you just start by telling where you were then in your life and, and we'll go from there? Sure. So we got introduced through one of your other clients, who is a good friend of mine. And I got to a point of my career where I was a bit of a crossroads, didn't know what to do. Um, The previous year, I had left my job as an event director in hospitality during a pandemic. At the time, it could have possibly been one of the worst decisions, (laughs) leaving that industry and in that profession. But it got to a point where I 
decided it was a new chapter. There'd been a lot going on during the pandemic. I loved my job. I worked across 13 restaurants, had a team of 16 incredible people. We got on really well. We made lots of money for the company it was hugely successful and I loved it. I loved every day of it. It was high stress and it was very full on. I worked some crazy, crazy hours, but I loved it ultimately. But because of the pandemic, it highlighted a few differences, a few changes, senior management changes. And unfortunately it became apparent that it just, it kind of reached the end really. So I decided to leave in October, 2020, just after seeing over the, the first part of the pandemic. And then at the end of December, I sort of came to this crux of, shit, what am I going to do now? I don't know where I'm at. We're in a pandemic. Hospitality is coming absolutely mullered. What am I going to do? So my friend and your client introduced me to you. And I sort of said, oh, I don't know if this is the right direction. I thought it was quite therapy-esque. And I've tried therapy before, and it, it just didn't really hit the marker for me. And then we had the call. And before we had our call, I sort of said to myself, I need to be honest, because I can't work with a coach and hold myself back and not be really open and honest with you because it's it's not going to progress me and I was at that stage where I was probably at the very bottom of figuring out what the hell to do so we had our call and I said this to you I remember distinctly saying to you I've I've made the commitment to myself to be really honest which I'm I'm terrible at usually with um coaches therapists and we had a really great chat and I just felt we got on so well we clicked the rapport was amazing and and then we went through costs and initially, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of your clients and people are thinking about it, will think, oh, you know, it's a lot of money to invest. And it is that initial money you think, if it's that, that whole sum, you might think, oh, it's, it's quite a lot. But actually, when you space it out from what you get from it and the number of sessions you get from it, it's completely manageable. It is. And it, it's not, you know, it's not completely accessible to everybody, but considering what you get from it, it was the best money I've ever spent. And as you know, I've renewed with you three times. So, <laughs> so I'm a great believer in that. I think that first call really gave me that first step to figure out what I wanted to do next. And as you know, from the first couple of weeks, maybe even months, I can't remember how far into it we were, those first couple of months were really tough for me. I couldn't figure out, do I need to go back full time? I was really grieving for my previous job, but I really felt like this was the next step. And actually at the time we did start speaking, I had already started a sort of consultancy role. So I'd almost sort of fallen into it. But even then we'd had a conversation where I sort of said, I don't know whether to carry on this way or to go the other way and find a full-time job. I'd already been contacted about a few full-time jobs that just weren't ticking the box for me. And it was you that turned around and said, well, you're already doing it. So just carry on. Just just keep going down that road. And I was like, all right, okay, carry on. <laughs> I basically coerced you into becoming self-employed. <laughs> yeah, but in a good way. I think I hadn't had the confidence to do it. And you were just like, you just made the decision. It was just like, and let's go. So I did. And from that moment, I was like, right, head of the game. And there were a couple of recruiters that sort of said, well, you know, that's really off-putting to people if they want to you know, come to you and employ you for a full-time job. And I just said, yeah, I get it, but this is what I'm doing now. And I pushed forward. And then we got to a very interesting point of that consultancy, which was slightly left field to what I wanted to do, but it was, it was great to kind of keep me ticking along where it, it wasn't quite working out for us and for them. And I had to make the decision to kind of walk away from it. And this is where the fear starts. So we'll obviously go into the fear a little bit later on, but it's that fear of, oh God, if I end this contract, there'll never be another contract. And what do I do from here? But it just kept rolling. And that's kind of where it started. It was, it was working with you that really kind of gave me that confidence and that push to move in the right direction and figure out that it could be something that could, could work for me long-term. And now here we are 18 months later. Yes. And I want, there's so many things I want to unpack and dive into from what you've just said, but 
for the sake of the listeners knowing, you know, what really is going on with you today, what's, what's going on with you career-wise, like as of today? So I am now a event consultant. I work with restaurants and hospitality companies, membership clubs, and I help rebuild their events teams, help guide them, help figure out if they've got some issues or if they need to progress. That's one part of my business. I'm also a bit of a connector. So people looking for jobs, people looking for support, investors, specialists within the hospitality field. I help connect them and people looking for jobs also come to me and I then kind of direct them back to the people I've already been connected with and I produce events so I'm very selective in what I do because I didn't want to just become another event producer I will only work with people that I know or people that are referred to me by people that I know and something that I really want to do something that I'm super passionate about it's really important to me because for those in events well no events is not an easy an easy gig it's not that champagne glass and high heels and looking really glamorous not at all it's working until 3 4 a.m in the morning it's all you know all the heavy lifting it's carrying bins it's setting up tables it's it's all sorts of stuff so i'm now in the position where i get to be selective over who i want to work with and what i want to do and when i want to do it which is incredible i just love hearing you just say all this because <laughs> i think so many people are going to resonate with your story about the fact that you came to that like you said, the bottom of the, oh my God, what do I do? And I call it in my coaching that I don't know. And I think when people get into the space of that, I don't know, it blocks any excitement about the future because you can't even imagine that you're ever going to be in the space of knowing or the space of executing an idea or actually sticking to a decision to follow through on an idea. So I love your story because I love how I know it was a hard time for you, but when you came to me, when you were at that crossroads, it wasn't like we had one conversation that was like, I'm going to become an event consultant and a producer and a connector and all of these things. Okay, great, Emma, let's get to work. It was, you were right. I think we did spend at least two months, I think, Mm. thinking about what the next steps were. And we also spent a lot of time working on mindset about the grief that you felt leaving your old position, the identity that was there, it was such an identity shift, which we can also dive into of going from being employed and, you know, having that job security and being that person in the corporate world to running your own thing. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to really, I guess, highlight that, that part of it is that when you signed up for coaching or when you came to me and decided to go on this journey of career discovery, it wasn't like you had a clear path and you've built that path yourself. And now if you could look back, obviously it was 18 months ago, I bet past Liv probably wouldn't be able to believe what present Liv was actually doing. No, no way. No, and I think if it, when I explain it to people that I, it's the great resignation that everyone's sort of talking about at the moment, if, if I'd said to somebody in advance of that or even after that, that, you know, resigning, I'm in a pandemic and I'm in events and hospitality, they would have thought... I was stark raving mad and I think I was stark raving mad but it got to the point where I I I think that kind of came to a really good crux as well because the decision I made wasn't easy it wasn't a decision I made lightly and it almost was kind of taken out of my hands because of the situation that happened with my previous job and I was running the most incredible events over the best arguably the best venues in London working across the most amazing members clubs with the most incredible events teams and hospitality teams 
who I still regard very highly regard as friends. I, it was it wasn't a decision that I just said, oh, you know, well, I'll quit my job and I'm just going to go down this path now and it'll be really easy. That never happened. It was just I have to get out of this position because it's not working for me anymore. I wasn't seeing my daughter. I have a six year old. I wasn't seeing my now husband. I wasn't seeing anybody. I wasn't even socializing. So I kind of got to the point where I thought I'm loving my job, but I don't get to do anything else. I don't get to spend all this money that I'm earning. I don't get to actually live my life. But at no point did I think, oh, this is what I'll do next. Mm. As you say, I fell into the I don't know. And then the identity shift was huge because you you identify yourself as your job. And I had a great job and I was identified as this person across this group that could make your event happen, which was incredible, along with obviously my amazing team. But you stick yourself into like this little bucket and then take yourself out of that bucket and think, God, people only know me because I'm that person. So no one's going to want to talk to me. And I, I lost a lot of connections through that because I wasn't use, useful to people anymore. People didn't need me, so they don't talk to me. And that's fine. It took me a long time to figure out, well, then those are the kind of people that I don't really need to be associated with because they're there for a business reason and not a personal reason. So. It took a while to do that, but the identity shift is enormous and leaving a corporation job that is solid, you get paid every month, you know what you're going to get paid, you you pretty much know what you're working and what you're doing to starting again. And I never wanted to, to readdress my career. I never wanted to just go off into something completely different. I've always wanted, and people say, you know, you think about when you're younger, what you always wanted to do. And I always wanted to do events in some form. People is so important to me. And Doing that event side with people is, is is amazing. So I never suddenly thought, okay, great, this is an opportunity for me to go back and retrain. I, so I literally fell straight into the I don't know and thought, well, there's no other way than I need someone to help figure this out with me. And that was you. And we talked about it a lot with the Pandora's box of is there this Pandora's box at the end of a rainbow that will suddenly say, this is your new career and, and you just walk into it. And it doesn't exist. It, re it really doesn't, but it, it's there somewhere inside you. You just need to, it sounds really cliche, but it's there. You just need to figure it out. Yeah. And I think exactly, I speak a lot about this. I've spoken about it on the podcast and to many of my clients about we think that we have this vision of the locked box, the, you know, we're looking for the key to find out what the answer is. And when we're thrown into this uncertainty of the job search or the career search, which you did and so many people listening did. And, and I think it's really important to acknowledge that, that because of the pandemic and also the changes that are happening now in the economy, a lot of people are you know, changing and shifting their careers, some on purpose and some being forced to and some you know having job cuts and there's lots of things going going on there and I think that it's really important to acknowledge that you know we can get thrown into that turbulence of oh my god what's next what's next and then we think that we have to go and find this key to the box and inside the box is going to be a piece of paper and it's going to be written on it exactly what the thing is mm. and the truth is is that for some people that is a thing for some people that is, there's that one thing that lights them up and makes them glow. And in some ways, events is that for you. Events is that, you know, thing that you feel really, really passionate about, but you didn't know the wrapping paper, like how it was actually going to be able to like work for you in terms of a career when it wasn't in the format of, of a full-time position. But for many people, it's not a thing. And it's all it comes down to is experimenting and trialing and I think we spoke about this a lot in the times when you were first pushing the consultancy and actually going out on your own is that you have to just go into it with total curiosity and total learning and just be ready to evaluate and analyze and say, 
this is working and this isn't working. And I think that was really important part of your journey. I'm remembering now of really being like, okay, worst comes to worst. If this doesn't work, I'm an expert in my field. I've worked in events for X amount of years. I know I can do it. I know that if at any point push comes to shove, I would go back and get the job. If it all, if all else failed, let's go ahead and try. And I really want to, I guess, acknowledge that and say how amazing it was what you did because you didn't know what was going to happen and it was events in the pandemic and you just went for it and built this business all based on curiosity. And I think that it's really important to say that you didn't have a magic ball. No one was going to tell you, oh, the pandemic will eventually pass and in-person events are going to come back. You know, you didn't have a magic ball to tell you you're going to be able to maintain this and get client after client and build this functional business and also manage yourself and manage your mind. But you did it. Mm. And, and I also didn't have a big pot of money. So I know a lot of people say, well, you know, financially, you need, it needs to be viable. Of, of course. And I was fortunate that I had savings that could pass me through taking two months off in a pandemic. But I, I was the sole earner in our household. We have a mortgage to pay. We have mouths to feed. So it's not like I just went, you know, I'll just dig into my savings. That, that, that didn't really exist. So financially, yes, it can be difficult. But I think we also know as people, we do still have skills. If it came to it, I would go and serve pints in a pub. I would go and find something to do. I'd go and walk dogs for a living. It didn't matter to me because the money side could be taken care of in one way, one for another. And yes, it's not the most lucrative going to pull pints. But if financially it's not viable at that moment, I know that I would always go and earn some money in some other way. So that it scared me, but it, it wasn't the be all and end all. And one of the best crucial moments that we worked together was figuring out the how and why. So I think you'll remember this very vividly, I do, is that I kept just saying, but but how, but how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And I, I was worried about silly things like, well, what do I call myself and how do I present myself? What's my elevator pitch? What's my business card look like? And it hasn't, it didn't sink in very quickly that that didn't matter. But what mattered was my why, why I was doing it. And we went through the pros and cons of, well, if you do it this way, then this is the pro. If you do it this way, then this is the pro, but then versus the cons. And actually just figuring out why I was doing it is what got me my how. The how just happened along the way, which is incredible. And we had several conversations and several sessions about it and it took me a while to figure out, oh yeah, you know, it is, I just need to take myself back to my why and why I'm doing it, why it's important to me and, and what's important to me. And everything just happened. And, and even now, sometimes I call myself something slightly different and that's fine. It doesn't really matter. So it took a while, but we got there. Yeah, I remember we had like probably maybe one maybe two sessions about the yeah. business card thing and I remember yeah. it was like because it was all the business card was a representation of what it was going to look like from the outside to other people and I remember being like okay we don't need to we don't need to worry about the business card very few people use business cards these days <laughs> what we need to worry about is the passion inside like the belief that you want to do it and and exactly like you said the why what's the desire and I think you know it's the Simon Sinek why you knew your purpose why you do what you do and for you I feel like that's always been very strong because you're so connected to to the brand who the what the brand is and who you are within that yeah. so yeah for anybody who is wanting to start on their own and for any clients who work with me on it this is exactly why I push you I always try and focus on really figuring out what that desire is because I believe and this is definitely what happened with you the desire has to be stronger than the fear the why and the want to really create the the business because of the service you're providing and the actual you know the work that you're doing if that's strong enough 
if that and, and you pair that with belief then it can outweigh that fear like you said and you had mm. such great fear because the fear that you've Massive. already mentioned so far was the fear of you know losing those connections being separate identity to the company you'd worked for for so many years the fear of money like you said yeah. you were the sole earner and you you took a huge leap not only not working but investing a substantial sum of money in a coach when you probably didn't have that money to spend but you decided it was a business decision so do you really feel that that there's that play between the fear and the desire yeah yeah I remember we had a whole session on fear because I was just so frozen by the fear of am I doing the right thing is this going to be looked enough can I can I keep going and do I have the desire to keep going because I kept having those days where I was lacking motivation and I, I I couldn't drive myself forward. But we had a great conversation about fear and bringing it along for the ride and utilizing that fear to drive the desire. And going back to the why, that fear was just kind of that background, little buzzy noise in the background. It's it's there, but it's it's a good reason that it's there. It's there because you care. And mm-hmm. because because of that fear and the care, your da- desire then is stronger because you want it even more. And you want to kind of prove the fear is wrong. And I think you can you can transfer this to kind of any form of industry. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to suddenly be in events and, and quit your job. And it's not for everyone. But I do think if you have the desire and you have something that you are really good and passionate about, then that kind of just exudes out of you anyway. And, I, you know, I still don't have, as you know, I don't have my sales pitch down to a T, but I amend it depending on the person because they don't all want the right things that I'm offering, but they see that I'm passionate and that's usually what sells it. And, you know, we've spoken very recently about I've got this kind of missing gap, but that's because I'm still learning and because I think all of us need to have some form of learning and development. And, and that's the side of me that's missing at the moment is is filling that little gap and, and I'm working towards it at the moment, which is great. But having the ability to be able to do that rather than being confined to a job that just tells you this is your job title and this is what you're expected. I've got the ability to go, you know what, I'm going to go off and do something slightly different, but I'm going to keep it as part of my whole package. So it it's, just gives opportunity. It's that autonomy that yeah. is really hard. I think it's really hard to explain how that autonomy feels to somebody who has never had it before in their career. And for years, I didn't have autonomy. You know, it's hard to say because you were also, you know, you're an event director, you had a certain amount of autonomy within that role. And in my past roles, I was also a manager, I ran a team, I also had a certain amount of autonomy. But that autonomy gets translated very, very differently when it's your own business. Because like you said, you give yourself permission to try new things and you give yourself permission to be guided by the passion. And like you said, sometimes the fear that's there. And I think that if we're going to talk about the difference between an employee mindset and what I call in my coaching, the CEO mindset, the kind of stepping up and being a business owner and not Mm. just being, not just being an employee, but also not just being like a freelancer. Like I'm just going to, you know, do this work for this one client. And that's still kind of not the CEO mindset. But I think that's one of the biggest things is to embrace that autonomy and to appreciate it and be grateful Mm. for it. Do you feel like you have you have that gratitude for the autonomy that you've you've created within your within your business definitely I, I would describe it as the best and the worst things about being a business owner the the worst thing being you're the one that's got to say no or decide when to say no or, or what to say no to but the best thing is you have the ability to say no so knowing that you have that full autonomy yes it can be frightening because anything that you make a decision on is a direct impact to you and your own business but actually, so is it the other way. Everything you say yes or no to has a direct impact on you positively as well. So having that full autonomy 
can be frightening but can also be incredible and, and really quite amazing and as long as you've got a great support system a great coach like I have <laughs> in you then I, I don't see it as a stumbling block I see it as a positive I certainly do now I maybe didn't at the beginning but I do now and I think that's really important what you just the last thing you just said is that if it doesn't feel natural at the start that's okay it sometimes takes time and for certain that's what happened to me with my business is that at first and especially the first year that I tried to do it and and I was like and I didn't have a support system in place or I didn't have a good enough support system in place in terms of mentors and coaches and the auto the autonomy felt overwhelming instead of actually feeling like a gift and mm. like something that I was actually moving towards because for me my biggest value in business is freedom and I'm sure that you also feel this as well within you know your choices and what you do but sometimes when that autonomy becomes toxic because you don't manage it correctly it can feel very overwhelming and therefore it feels like the opposite of freedom mm. so I think it's important to say here for anybody who is in that stage of business where they're at the start of the journey and it feels overwhelming is that there is completely a way to to manage it and I think that way is a combination of of the practical things kind of really figuring out how to make decisions how to negotiate how to set boundaries which is something that you know we spent a lot of time on and then the mindset stuff which is obviously very intrinsically linked to everything I said, but the working on the belief and the the self-worth that you are allowed to have freedom in your career because when you've worked for somebody else for 10 years and you know, you're know you in your 30s and you're starting to work for yourself, it feels really weird. It feels really, really weird, like, yeah. it's, isn't it the weirdest feeling? I still mm. have to be like, what? Like, there's no one actually like going to, like, tell me off or... like, but also at the same time I'm like no one's going to tell me off but also no one's going to give me a gold star and tell me that I'm really good <laughs> yeah yeah this is so true and and something that I know is really important to you as well is, is having the, that somebody to kind of bounce off so it's lonely it's so lonely being a CEO and going through the pitfalls of hiring and firing and saying yes and saying no and god finance stuff knowing what to do with your accounts and god i've missed a vat bill and i don't know what to do with this and how do you update company's house and should i be vat registered versus sole trader and there were so many things and there is no one there there's no network that i found that's supportive and honest that tells you this there's lots of networking groups absolutely but they're all just oh it's amazing and fluffy and it's it's not it's really hard you go through days where you've got like shit did i make the right decision or you know have i really screwed this up and have i taken on too much so that there, there needs to be a bit more conversation i think out there about the honest side of, of being a ceo and having someone to say do you know what's your opinion on this or should i do this or what should i do about my website or do i even need a business card i still don't have one i definitely don't need one nobody does business cards anymore you know there's, there's silly things and then there's the really important stuff like oh what do i need to do with my vat return and should i get an accountant and you know there's there's so many little pitfalls um and there are, there are a few other business owners that i refer people on to like i've got a great team of lawyers that i worked with before and they help me with my my terms of my contract and i've had an accountant that i've worked with who's a creative accountant which is amazing and i referred them on to people and like that kind of paying it forward i find is really helpful because it might not come back directly from that person but knowing that you've enhanced someone's life by you know giving them a great connection and they'll get more support like I, you know, I've referred you to God knows how many people because I just think it's such money well spent. But that money otherwise, you can go and buy a handbag. Yeah, great. But is it going to help you move up in your career? No, it's not. Probably You'll look not. good, but. <laughs> and I love that because actually one of my biggest pieces of advice to anybody who is making this jump to self-employed is you don't need a lot of overheads when you're first starting, obviously, depending on what industry you're working in. 
but get a good accountant for sure. Unless you are working in finance originally and you are good at like doing your own finances, just even just to bounce questions off and to ask things like really, I think that was one of the biggest turning points for my business is when I finally went to an accountant and sat with him and it wasn't even at the start. It took a while for me to actually do it. And that was amazing because I finally was like, okay. And then you jump into the CEO mindset of, okay, I'm CEO. I have an accountant supporting me. And also for all different businesses, it will be different other priorities. But you know, for you, that's the lawyer. And unfortunately, I'm a lawyer, even though I hate doing contracts, <laughs> my, my worst ever thing. But yeah, to make sure that you have those people and those connections in place and a mentor, whether that's a hired coach or just somebody who you can go and ask questions to. So yeah, I think that's really good advice and actually really important. Now, something that I do want to dive into a little bit, and I, I you know, I'm loving this conversation because I think that we're not being fluffy. We're not like being like fake and saying, oh my God, it's so easy. Like every single person out there should just like hmm. quit their job or like, you know, just go and set up. Like we're definitely not saying that. Let's carry that that theme of not being fluffy on and talk about some of the challenges and some of the things that me and you have worked on together that have enabled you to create this successful business as it is today. And I know one of those things is, is boundaries. So Mm. can you share a little bit about boundaries and how that shows up within the running of your business? And I guess the journey that you've been on with it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So there's the, I mean, boundaries is a huge buzz at the moment, but putting it into your business on a day-to-day basis is is just crucial. And you know that I've I've come up with these crazy stumbling blocks of being spoken to and treated horrifically, even after leaving my previous job and being consultant and, and thinking, well, that's okay because I don't have another contract sitting there waiting, or I don't know how I'm going to you know pay the bills next month if I say no to this contract, or if I walk away from this one. But putting that boundary in of just saying, no, no, you, you don't get to speak to me. I, I could be anybody you have no idea who I could be, who I'd be connected to. It doesn't, and that doesn't matter, but knowing where your boundary is of what you what is acceptable to you of how you're spoken to, how you're treated is a really big boundary of mine. Hence me having the value that I will only work with people that I know, or it's that one degree of separation because life is too short to work with, sorry, but shit people you don't need to relationships are everything. People are so important. You don't need to be rude to people. So having those relationships is really important to me. And that boundary, relationship boundary is really important. A really obvious one and something that I talk to a lot of my old team about and have done recently, in fact, because they're still sort of in the hospitality world is you don't have to work until 11 o'clock at night. You can choose to, but that's different. And the problem is you're being, you're allowing that to happen. Nobody has turned around to you and said, after you've left work, you need to go home and open your laptop and work you're creating that for yourself and I know that's a bit of a hard pill to swallow and sometimes I'll choose to go and off and get my hair done for three hours and I've got my hair done more times in the last 18 months than I ever ever have before and that sounds really silly but because you work in a Monday to Friday five day a week silly crazy hours you don't have the capacity to do that on Saturday and Sundays just swallowed up with social time so having the ability to say no I'm not going to answer your message at six o'clock at night because I've switched off or even Fridays I try to take off as a day off sometimes I'm boundaried enough that I don't feel I have to reply to messages because it's your time it's it's whatever you make of it no one has a clue what you're doing you could be in a meeting for all they know so being able to say to yourself, no, I don't have to reply to that. No, I don't have to work until 11 o'clock. Or saying, actually, do you know what? I'm going to take some time off during the day and I'm going to work in the evening. You have the ability to do that. And making that decision 
and knowing that boundary is really important. I have lots of people that ask me for, for different times of day or evening meetings. And I say no, because I don't, that's not the lifestyle I want anymore. But if I choose to, then that's my decision and that's fine. But having that ability to know my boundary of when I want to do something or can do something and, and not just be, not to say no for the sake of saying no, but, you know, being boundaried enough to say no, being working on a Sunday, if I choose to, that's my decision, but I'm not going to put a meeting on a Sunday. I'm not going to do that. That's a really important boundary for me. I think it's all it's all a learning curve and you don't realise you need to put a boundary in until you kind of work it through in your head and think, God, why is this really pissing me off? And then you realise it's because you kind of allowed it to happen. So actually the buck stops with you. You have full control over what you say and do. You don't have control over what someone else says and does. If I want to send an email at 11 o'clock at night, that's totally fine. But I can't expect someone else to reply to me. Just like if someone sends you an email at 11 o'clock at night, they can't expect you to reply to it. So I think it's a, it's a mixture and it depends on who you are as a person and what you want your boundaries to be. But they're so important on helping you find that balance of life of the reason why you became a CEO, your own boss. Yeah, because it's so easy to slip back into that employee mindset of I'll just be available all the time. Because yeah. when you used to have a manager or somebody who was watching you, you felt like you couldn't set boundaries. I felt like that anyway. Like it would be yeah. nerve wracking for me to not reply to an email. It would be uncomfortable for me to go into work the next day having received an email at midnight and not replying before I walked into the office so I think that that's really a journey that you go on where you realize like oh okay I don't have anyone watching me but then you can still slip back into those old patterns and then you you realize like it wasn't the boss that was the problem it's you that was the problem yeah. not in a blamey way but in like a, I'm going to take responsibility for myself and I really love hearing you talk about boundaries because now you're saying it's so blunt. It's so obvious. It's like, okay, if I want to go and get my hair done in the middle of the day, which also, by the way, we're both blondes. Well, I'm fake <laughs> blonde and we both get highlights. So it's something that takes like a few hours, right? It really is. Yeah. Um, people maybe who don't have highlight issues wouldn't realize this, but when you're employed, there's no time. <laughs> there's no time you had to take that half a day off work if I wanted to go and get highlights or I like, have a fake doctor's appointment. So I just love that point. Just wanted to uh, <laughs> go over that one again, but it's so easy to fall into that pattern of, I'm just going to still be at everybody else's beck and call. And yeah. you were for a while. You weren't necessarily because you were bringing it up in our sessions and you were really working on it from the start. But it's so great to hear you speak about it so bluntly because there were times when it was very much like, but if I don't reply, then what will this new client think? And if I don't make myself available, then maybe they won't want to work with me. And if I say this in an email, then what if he doesn't like my tone and he fires me and yeah. or cuts the contract? And, and, it's interesting how that is so far from your mind right now, but that was something that was really bothered you at the start. Like I remember very vividly having sessions that were really talking about this, going over that fear of what other people are going to make of you and fear of what other people are going to think of you. And I think that as a new business owner at the very, very start of the journey, it can be hard to command respect because we're so nervous that the contract will fall through or we're so nervous that somebody's going to think something badly of us and then it will damage the reputation of mm. ourselves as business owners. And actually, I think you've come to this understanding and I certainly have of it's actually the opposite. The more boundaries that you set with yourself and with others, the more respect that you command and then the more people treat you like a business owner and then look at your business in a way that is more respectable. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I don't think it's just a case of you suddenly become this very tough rude it's been described to me as bitchy before you don't have to be the bitch you can still be a nice person and get shit done so that's totally fine and I've had it a few times where 
I'm always, I always try and remain pleasant to people regardless. And I had a, I had an instance a couple of weeks ago with, with a client who was quite a high profile client. She had no idea who I was. She was so rude to me. And the connection back is actually, I know, I know her boss and should that have come back around, she, and she doesn't need to know who I am, but the fact that she would treat someone and be so rude to someone and not care about it, it, it kind of, in fact, it made me laugh because I, I just thought the fact that you can behave like that to someone and not know who they are and you think that that's okay, it's quite, it's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. But I will always try and, and be pleasant to someone because until a point, obviously, because you never know who anyone's connected to or who they are or what they are or what they might become. And you don't have to put up with shit. There's, you know, there are people that are rude and that's fine. They can carry on and do their thing. But I, I just feel like if, if you're honest to yourself and not to quote the Love Island quote of being true to yourself, but <laughs> I hate that frame. But as long as you are honest with yourself, who you are and present yourself in that way, and you're passionate about what you're doing, then you've got to keep the faith and trust the process that it's going to keep going. Because as you know, we st- I still have that fear of like, oh God, a contract's ending, where am I going to get the next one? And it always happens. Like, li- I, it's this kind of like tiny manifestation. If you think it, the next day something pops up and then you go, oh shit, I actually don't have time to do that. I can't take that on. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And I know I say this to you a lot and a lot of our sessions are actually because I'm mentoring you as well as coaching you now, a lot of our sessions are very much me being like, yes, this is normal. This is mm. me too. And, you know, mm. I'm five years down the line of my business and I've been a fully booked one-on-one coach for however long. And I still feel the fear that what if no clients are ever going to want to work with me again? Yeah. And I still have that thing of, oh my God, like what's coming next? What's around the corner? And I think, and we can maybe just say this, like it's just, well, we said it before, it's just about accepting that fear because for yeah. me, I don't, I can't imagine that that fear will ever go away. And I, it's a healthy fear sometimes. Sometimes it can become a not so healthy fear. But I think that is one thing as a business owner that you have to come to terms with is that there is uncertainty. But do not let that uncertainty stop you from showing up. And like you said, telling people I'm not going to be treated like that, setting a boundary, cutting contracts which I know is something that you've done, not renewing contracts when it doesn't feel right to you, when it doesn't feel like the the right relationship or it doesn't feel like the right person to work with. And it's a fine line, isn't it, between, mm. oh, I really want to make sure that that new thing is going to come in, but at the same time, I'm going to actually make sure that this is like in line and aligned with what I, I want to do and yeah. who I want to work with. And something that I know you've also struggled with and we, we've spoken about before is how to show up on emails. And I think yeah. that this, we talk about this a lot, like being, let's even go more specific now, being a female business owner, how mm. that shows up when you're in meetings sometimes with lots of men who very work very differently to you and who have very different tone and styles and directness and, and being women, we're, we're like expected to and socialize to be polite and be Mm. kind and be a bit more soft about things and I know this is something you've come up against in the in the past 18 months so can you share a little bit about about your thoughts on that yeah I'm I'm quite passionate about this so happy to in my old company it was very much you had a certain email tone and of course you're representing brands so you, you have to have a certain email tone but it was always drilled into me that whatever email you were sending you had to think what would the boss think if it hit the boss's desk? So you could never be rude. If you want to be rude, you pick up the phone. <laughs> it's a much easier way of doing it. But email tone was really, really key. Whereas coming to run your own business, I see all of this stuff on socials. Oh, you can't say thank you. You can't say please. You can't ask how somebody is. You can't do this. Why not? Why can't you be your own 
honest, genuine self over an email. I don't really care how that person thinks about it. The person could think otherwise if you're really rude. Email tone, I think, can sometimes be completely overseen and over overthought. And I know that people do have conversations about this, but it's how you come across in that email and you, you're kind of reading it, you think in that person's tone, but that's what you perceive their tone. It's actually not necessarily how you want it to come across. Like I could write an email to someone, it doesn't say hi, it just says your first name, thanks. And I know that that's quite, I, in my old days, I'd be, oh God, no, I've got to put dear or hi or whatever and please and thank you and all of this stuff. And sometimes I do still do that. But sometimes if I need to get something done quickly, I'll just write an one line email because I just need to get stuff done. And it's a different relationship with different people that I have email tone with. But worrying about how you're presenting yourself, there's a lot of, I can't remember who it was, but there was a podcast I listened to a while ago that sort of said, you should never just, you should never put just, I'm just checking. I'm just wondering, why not? You've got to be more direct. You've got to be more firm, but you don't know if that's firm or not. You are, you're just, you're just asking something and people, I think massively overthink emails. If you're really worried about how you come across an email, pick up the phone, everyone forgets that you still have a phone that you can pick up and talk to people. Mm -hmm. I think the art of communication is very much lost in the last couple of years. Um, So if you're really worried about how your email comes across, just call someone and then there's, there's no worry because they'll get your tone of voice. But otherwise, don't fret too much about your email. If someone takes it the wrong way, that's their problem. You can't, unless you're being really rude on email, then you don't, I wouldn't worry about it. And I think this just comes up with everything we've been speaking about, about being a business owner of like, you've just got to be true to yourself as the business owner. So whether that's setting Mm. the boundaries, whether that's making decisions of who to take on as a client and whether that's how to even write an email and how to communicate with people. I think that there's, there's something about letting go of the shoulds and what other people are going to think and what other people are going to judge, which I know has been a journey for you. It has also been for me especially because for me, I'm showing up on Instagram and there's a lot of like a narrative there of like, what will people think of this if I express an opinion or if I, you know, say something or I try to sell and make an offer, will people judge me and all those things. And this is exactly how I coach and mentor is that you have to find what's comfortable for you. There's no other way. Like if you're going to run your own business, it has to be something that sparks joy and that makes you feel good. And it has to feel truthful because once you start trying to fit in those boxes of what other people want and fit in those boxes of, you know, what society says should be done and how you should act or how you should write that email, you end up going back to being an employee. You end Mm. up back to being in somebody else's framework. Well, and I I think you end up doing a shit job because you're not being your honest self. You're trying to force something that isn't there. So you actually don't know how to behave like that person because it's not you. A hundred percent. You know, you end up kind of doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. And I think we could, that's with everything in life. I think when we're so in tune with other people's like wants and needs and instructions and what, you know, what they're thinking, we then start to become this like fake inauthentic version Mm -hmm. of ourselves that therefore then, then people respond to that. And then we take their response to be even this insult or, you know, negative feedback. And then the truth is it wasn't even negative feedback of who we really were it's the negative feedback of the fake person. So I think that it's very true in friendships and and relationships and all those Mm. things, but it's definitely something as a business owner to just be really, really aware of, especially as a service provider, as somebody who's working with the general public, as something most of us, it's just, yeah, I feel like that's a really, really important lesson and just stop looking externally so much and to actually just focus on what you want, what your business values are and actually what's important to you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think that feeds directly into sort of the, the comparison of an imposter syndrome sort of scenario of 
well, that person looks more successful because they're doing it this way and they look more successful. You have no idea what that person is doing or whether that is success for them. And you also need to figure out what your own success looks like. Like successful doesn't mean you are a billionaire and you have a massive house. Not everybody wants that. And you don't need that. But your success is, is defined purely by yourself. And by comparing yourself to someone else, that person could be like, it could be miserable. It could be a really horrible existence. You see them doing amazing things and their business is rocketing. Is it? Are they really happy with that? I, I The hours that I used to work, I could take on more and more contracts but I don't want that. The reason that I decided to, to do this in this way was that I did have the flexibility and the time to go and get my hair done and to have a coach and to exercise in the morning and to have a conversation with friends at a normal, reasonable time of day rather than at a weekend or late at night. I, I chose this for a reason. And if I want to push myself, I have the ability to do that. And if I don't want to and I want to take a bit of downtime, that's fine too. But by comparing yourself to someone else, you're trying to, you're trying to become someone that you're not. And we, I know we worked on that quite a lot. So that that's a really big thing of mine, imposter syndrome and, and comparison. You, and, and social and social social media is just the devil. Some days, hide the people that are giving you that horrible imposter comparison syndrome because they're not needed. And it's something that is so prevalent in the coaching industry because there are so many online coaches, and you can just get so wrapped up in that person's doing you know, that person's making X amount of money per month and they're, they're posting about it. And that person's, I don't know, living this ridiculous lifestyle. And why, aren't, why am I not making 50,000 pounds a month and all this stuff? And wow, I think you picked on something, on something really good. As a business owner, you have to like close your comparison off to other business owners because a lot of it is smoke and mirrors. A lot mm. of it isn't true. And that has been a huge part of my journey of just like being like, hey, I'm just going to go and focus on me and really try and stop scrolling and unfollow people and really just be like, if somebody doesn't make me feel inspired or give me some form of you know uh, excitement about following them or talking to them or whatever it is, I'm not going to waste time because when you're a business owner, your time is too precious to start like yeah. worrying about other people. And I think that it's a huge cure for the imposter syndrome is to just focus on you. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Totally. It's, it's just so much, that, so much learning isn't there. And you go through the process and you learn it along the journey and there's no quick fix. There's no just, okay, this is the box and you just need to tick everything along these boxes and then you'll become the most successful business owner. It doesn't work like that. So completely doesn't work like that. So just to finish off, what would you say are the biggest lessons that you've learned in the past 18 months of your journey from going from you know from working in corporate to being unemployed to then stumbling into consultancy and then creating a successful business what what have you learned so I guess one of the biggest learnings is that it it can be done and it can be done I, I did it in possibly one of the hardest times we will ever see in our lifetime certainly in my lifetime and I'm not saying it's that easy and it will happen for everyone that way but learning that you can still change you can still revert back I could still go and get a job that's not a problem I could suddenly change what I want to do tomorrow you've can all you've got so many learning opportunities but you learn so much about yourself along the way and knowing that you're going to do that and it is a journey it's not it's not something that's a quick fix I guess one of the biggest learnings is, is the finance side of things which you, you would never have to think about before so learning how to control your own business finances not my, even my personal finances but my business finances learning how to pull your own profit and loss and and what money you've made and what money you need to make and what that you need to pay and god there's corporation tax there's, there's so many things so I would say it's a it's a journey and there's many, many hard things, 
but I wouldn't say the journey is is over with learning the hard things. I'm still coming across those big boulders and how to overcome them and what to do next. As you know, I'm just about to bring some people into the business to work with me. That's a hard enough hurdle. And it's it's very different hiring people when you're in a corporation to hiring people for yourself. So there's there have already been some hard parts. Making the ultimate one, I think, was making the decision and, and having that kind of crux conversation with you and, and saying, yes, this is the path I'm going on, but knowing that I could amend that path at any moment. But that was the hardest. That was the biggest learning along the journey so far was committing to it and, and believing in myself. Yeah, two really important things. And that's why whenever I get a client on a, a potential new client on a consultation call, that's always the question. That's almost the one before we decide if to go ahead or not. How committed are you? Because it is, you know, at some point, I mean, we've definitely spoken about this in a session, mm-hmm. you have to get into a monogamous relationship with your business. And, mm-hmm. and it's really hard when you're like, in that I don't know to actually do that but once you step up and do it as hard as it is as difficult as it is to be like okay for now I'm going to accept that there may be many other partners out there and maybe you know one day I'll want to cheat and one day I might want to you know I might even exit the relationship but for now I'm going to be in a monogamous relationship with my business and once you get to that point and that's when basically you can start to build from there yeah and it's not, there's nothing easy. The fact that you have to wear so many hats, you have to be HR and finance and CEO and all of these, like all of these hats is huge. So it's, it's not easy. It's not an easy task, but it is very rewarding. It's very fulfilling. And you have days where you're like, what the hell have I done? I've undercharged and I've not done this. And you know, there's, there's so many things. So it's not easy, but it is so much more fulfilling. And that's what I wanted to end on is to say to you, would you right now, I know we're talking about, we have the option to go back and work full time for someone else, but is that something that you can envisage yourself doing? No, 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 no. It's not on the path at all. No, not in any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. And there's, there, I've had several, several offers. I'm not saying, you know, I'm, I'm top of the pile for recruiting, but I've had several great relationships call me and say, I've got a job for you. Will you come and work with me? We'll pay you whatever you want. And it's still, it's still a no, because having that autonomy and freedom and, I guess control is is a really operative word. Having control over what you're doing, when you're doing, who you're doing it with, how you're doing, how much money you want to make, what's next on your journey. You can stay as a single business owner. You could scale up and you know suddenly be a multimillionaire and employ a thousand people. But the fact that that's your decision is is something that you'll never get in a corporation. And you're filling your own pockets. You're not filling someone else's pockets. So yeah, I love that so much. And I feel exactly the same. And even in the depths of when it is the hardest, like you said, it is hard and we're not gonna, you know, pretend that it's not. Even at that point where I'm like, oh my God, you know, am I cut out for this? Am I cut out for this adrenaline roller coaster ride? I still think to myself, I'm so happy. I'm so happy I'm here. I'm so happy this is the journey. So I'm glad that you feel that way too. Where can people find out about your business and what you do if any of the listeners are interested in speaking to you where can they find you so you can find us on instagram we have our house london account and we have a lovely new website actually recommended through you the website maker website builder which is amazing um so we are www.houselondon which is houseldn.com so you can find us on our website we are all about sort of us and family and the other part of our business is well-being so you can see that on our website as well and when you say we it's you and your very very new husband because yes. just very recently got married this month um so that's just for everyone listening when she says we that's who, she, yes. that's who she's talking about <laughs> yes exactly that yes so we have a we have a great background of events from my husband as well who's now retrained to to be well-being specialists so yes all on our website 
Amazing. Everybody go check it out. And thank you so much, Liv, for coming and sharing your story. I just, I love your journey so much and so happy that I get to be a part of it. And for everybody else, I'll see you on the podcast next week. Thank you so much. And just to say, if anybody is, you know, thinking of starting out, needs someone to bounce off, I am always open. Pop me an email anytime. I'm always here to chat. Amazing. Thank you, Liv. Bye, everyone.